Dana Jean Phoenix, you're listening to Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome back to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. Um, we have special guest Android Automatic joining us this episode. Welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, pretty exciting to have you on. Uh, you obviously had a recent vinyl release that's uh, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get going, I just want to remind people follow us on social media you could find our podcast on all of your podcast dispensary uh sites and apps and such um but please do follow us on twitter and instagram that's where we're going to be uh most active so uh and then we also have a another paradise arcade vinyl um instagram account yeah my personal vinyl account it's been renamed paradise arcade vinyl <laughs> just in case you needed more stuff yeah just more shit from us that's you know we've got two instagram things that kind of bleed over to the same content do you like synthwave vinyl i show pictures of it <laughs> get it now are you still doing any of the uh the video game soundtracks on that or are you keeping that to your personal no that's on the personal one with the video game stuff so all the video game vinyl you can find on my personal one right and that is the full extent of the jam on instagram uh, please follow his account. It's much more interesting than my personal account. Um, and then I think it's yeah, the Paradise Arcade uh, for Instagram. And then Twitter, it's Paradise underscore Arcade. Uh, find updates, stuff like that. We also have a website, www.theparadisearcade.com. All right. So let's slide into talking. Let's let, yeah, pimp your stuff <laughs> while pimp we're your at stuff. it. So uh, tell us about... Um, the most recent thing, what you got going on, where, where can people find your stuff? Uh, well, they can find me on Bandcamp for digital and then for like vinyl, uh, would be electric dream records out of Chicago. They do the vinyl and there's some cassettes coming with a label. I'm kind of negotiating right now, so I can't really give out the deets yet, but Sweet. there'll be some cassettes for the Canyon, uh, Canyon's album coming soon. So. Awesome. Yeah, if they want, they can find me on Spotify, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all those social media things. I'm not a real big social media guy, so. <laughs> I don't, don't hate you for that. It's like, I, I, I'm not either. Yeah, I, you know. My presence is there, but I am not a big. Yeah, I'm all business on it's it. Ama- <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to me, like, how many posts I see from maybe like a dozen folks, like, five posts a day it's absolutely insane oh, no, i know i'm like where do people find time I to do this i can't post one time in five days that's really yeah. pulling teeth for me I'm right <laughs> like i don't have anything interesting to say what you know which is why i don't have twitter or post anything on my facebook nobody wants to listen to anything i have to say 
Which is the beauty of Instagram, because that could just throw up a picture and be like, here you go. There you go. You don't have to listen picture to me say words. anything. <laughs> There's a picture. You either like it or you hate it. It's that simple. Yeah. And you might like it because you hate it. <laughs> uh, we got to give a shout out to uh, Dream Electric. Electric Records. Dream. Electric Dream. Sorry. Dream Electric is compilation. Um, but Electric Dream Records, uh, that's... Um, buddy of Kyle's. Mm. I just got my shirt today. I'm pretty pumped about oh, that. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. And I and I'm really ha- happy that you got um your album released through Brian because you know what he does for mastering and, the, and just the quality package that he puts together for records. Yeah, he works really um, hard. It's definitely it's one of those things where I think a lot of well not a lot. Half half, would you say? Some of the records were record companies where they put the effort into the mastering and the package and all that stuff. More, it's, you could definitely tell which ones do and which ones mm. don't. Right. And so, if you get something from Electric Dream, if you like vinyl and quality, that's that's a great label to be Absolutely. on. Absolutely. So, um, he definitely puts in his it, time, his the hard work on it, make sure like. It, He's really uh, he stresses the importance of like cohesion in the package, like the whole package with the artwork and the mastering and all that stuff, you know. Did Dynatron do your release? Yeah, he's done. Did he master? I think he's done them all. Okay, I just wanted to like follow up and make sure on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you know you're getting a good uh, quality product. So uh, give us a little bit of background on kind of your your journey into synthwave it seems like the common factor is that people come from a slightly different discipline Mm -hmm. and have kind of fallen into synthwave either because of interest or inspiration or or whatever so right well i played in the indie rock bands in the late 90s in detroit i used to play in a band called call it in the air with um the singer he went on to be in a band called junior junior an electronic uh, alternative duo and um so we were together for like three years put out a, an album on um, outback entertainment group and i think 98 and then another one in 2000 and then i took some time off from music and then i tried to come back to music in 2008 to play in bands and it just kind of wasn't working it wasn't like vibe everybody was getting older and you know with like families and kids and stuff like that so i um i just went solo in in march of 2009 march 15 2009 i started android automatic is like an indie electro project where it was still like real guitars and, you know, real bass and stuff. And then I discovered the Valerie collective stuff in August of 2009, like FM attack and all those artists on MySpace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where I found them. And that's when I completely changed my um, sound. And then I wrote my first track night cruising in like, I don't know, October, 2009 or something. And that's kind of the, the beginning of it. Right. Was it one of those things for you? Like, my reaction it's like it just hit me with such clarity like you you hear it and it's like this is the music i've been wanting my whole mm. life when i heard that like, like the first ev- time was uh, i think anorak is how you pronounce his name um night drive with you i had that album like i heard that album i think it was like august of 2009 or something and head on cd i listened to it like probably 100 times in one week and i was like wow <laughs> i've been searching for the sounds so you're absolutely right here yeah is that your your feeling, Kyle? Like me, yeah. When I heard it, I was like, "Shit, this is it right here." Like, this is what, this is for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. Like, because I I have a music background as well, um, and and kind of like 
putting out stuff before synthwave cinematic tones and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but then when I heard someone like, cause I'm not, I, I'm really just a lame and I'm not very good. So uh, when, like hearing someone really put it all together and you're just like, this is, this is it. This is the thing. This is what I wanted my whole life. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. It, it like almost changes it. <laughs> it's, it's wild. When I first heard that stuff, I was like, what is this? And it was crazy because I just how I got into it was I was just perusing MySpace in 2009, and uh, there was this band from Ann Arbor because I'm from Detroit uh, called Adult or not Adult. Um, Tonight was the name of the band, a duo, and I was on their MySpace checking them out, and then I saw these like really cool looking icons, you know, the little MySpace icons with all this really cool artwork. And I was like, what is all Back this? Back in the it's day. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> Kyle, did you get into MySpace? Was like, Did you get like way deep into that at all? Or no? Oh, yeah, man. Posting fucking stupid-ass pictures of myself <laughs> and all that shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Messing with your themes and got your like your music set. I didn't like GeoCities, my shit. Like, I didn't <laughs> go that far. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like I would be like, oh, use a cool music track. You do this, and if like if anything, I used MySpace as a place to pick up scene girls. <laughs> and that was really yeah, it was pretty hip for a while. It was nice, and it worked. Yeah, it was the thing. So it was your I Tinder of the day. I can't fault it for that. <laughs> yeah, wow. back when I like knew how to talk to people. I don't know how to talk to people now. I don't know what happened between then and now. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh. Yeah, it's amazing MySpace, like how big of a thing it was. Mm-hmm. And like when Facebook first came out, you're like, this is the lamest thing ever. Yeah. And now it's the one of the largest companies in the world. I, it's such an interesting. Yeah, I, I remember when uh, my flip. friends were on it back in 2004 or whatever. I wasn't in college back then. They were like, this is the greatest thing ever. I was like, cool, I can't wait to get on it. Like, well, you can't. I'm like, why not? You got to be enrolled in school. <laughs> You got to have a .edu email address to get on Facebook. <laughs> That's so weird. And I remember the guy who convinced me to get on it. He was like, "You got to get on this," and I was like, <laughs> "It was that simple, or why?" I was, <laughs> and I was like fighting with him. I was like, "I don't want to do it," and I was like getting into the point where I don't want to post on social media anymore. I was like, "I don't want to do something new. <laughs> new stuff is weird." I'm, you know, like so into this but yeah i i did that i never looked back i'm sure my myspace page is really fucking embarrassing right now if it's still around oh my god i want to find it (laughs) god internet solicitor out there find kyle's myspace page i bet mine is just as embarrassing i haven't logged into it more than a decade at least oh wow it's probably some just like extreme fucking metal or oh, something. Oh, probably. Song. <laughs> probably. Ten years ago, well, maybe. It's hard to say. That's an interesting time in my life. Um, so, yeah, you getting into this music pretty early on, really before I think a lot of people looped on to, because I think like 2011 seems to be the kind of year where the, a lot of folks kind of discover it. So you're there a couple of years beforehand. Um, did you really, did you follow it closely as it, as it was going and, and pay attention to some of the artists or like, you're just like, I like this type of music. Now it's time to make the stuff. 
yeah, I don't know. I just heard it and was like, okay, I guess it's time to uh, start doing it. And then I started creating it and then started sending it to music blogs in 2010. And a lot of them were kind of like laughing at it. Like it sounds like 80s training, like montage, like video montage music. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, they, that's the fucking that, point. Uh, yes. And they wouldn't post it because <laughs> they thought it was lame. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It, that it's, it, it tends to have a pretty serious reaction because like to me, like most of almost all of my friends are in a synth wave. Of course, we're all of a certain age, mm-hmm. a certain kind of predisposition and whatnot, but then like certain people that listen to it and they just literally do not understand it. And they think it all sounds the same, mm-hmm. which is such an interesting thing to me. But I suppose like with anything initially, when you get into it, like if you drink in whiskey or wine or whatever, it's all one thing. And then as you, refine your taste you kind you then you understand the diversity of it right that's a good point um so yeah that that's kind of hard it, you know because it's like i love it so much so like what were who were some of the other artists that you really like were impressed by you know early 2010s and so on like who really uh, got to you i think it would be Laserhawk, um electric youth fm attack um, who else? You know, college, the the Valerie Collective stuff, the French uh, synth yeah. artists, probably them. They're like they're my favorite. They're pretty much all I listen to, still. <laughs> so that is that more uh, French touch, more than than synthwave, technically? Yeah, I, I don't help me out. I don't know because it's you know there's been like we're in what like the fourth generation of of synthwave by now, fourth or fifth. With the artists nowadays in 2020 because you had the originals and the originals obviously were like the valerie collective like the first wave yep people back in 2008 2009 and then 2011 i guess i would be like you know second wave or something that comes in mm-hmm. when rick shithouse used to blog about me and stuff like that back in 2011 2012 and then there was like the third wave i don't know who would be all in that but it's hard to keep track of it. It really is. I don't really listen to synthwave much. I'm more like metal and punk rock and indie rock guy, you know. All right. Because I write it so much, you know what I mean? Like I've been, I've written, I don't know, at least oh. ninety songs, ninety-five songs or something over eleven you years. You don't need to listen to anybody else's stuff at that point, then. Right? Yeah, and that makes complete sense to me. You know, why would you? I would, I would think like for me personally, like I don't necessarily want to be influenced. And like accidentally steal other people's shit, right? That's yeah, you know, or 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 be interfered with, right? That's so, so that's yeah, when that, you get into cryptomnesia, which is plagiarism through the subconscious. So you don't yeah. realize that you're doing it, but um, you know, I stay away from that. So that I never listen to that kind of stuff when I'm writing a new record, just because I don't know. You might subconsciously be plagiarizing, and you don't know it until somebody says, "Hey." Uh, <laughs> such and such person did that, and you're like, "Oh, that's right." I was listening to them like six months ago when I was writing this record. So, for you, when you write in music, do you set out with like a a theme and an idea? Do you have like a like a record or something that really like drives home a concept, or how do how do you put together end up putting together an album? I just um, I just start writing. I never really have a concept. I just do what I do. You know, I like writing music and. It just, once I have, I don't know, wait, sometimes it's an EP, four or five songs, sometimes it's eight or nine or whatever, then I just um, get a master, get some artwork done, and then put them out and distribute them, you know, promote them. But 
right now I'm having a new album cover done for the next album that'll be out in 2021, and I haven't even written one note of the record. I'm going to write to the image that's <laughs> being created. So uh, nice. That's it's interesting. I want to talk to you about being an independent artist because it sounds like you're putting everything together yourself Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of work i mean people i hope that they appreciate like independent artists because you're the literal every man every job everything shipping merchandise out responding to all the emails promotion but then also just like you're making the music and then there's all the other stuff that's involved with it. It's just such a huge amount of labor. Yeah. Taxes. I have a tax accountant. I have all that stuff, you know, um, that's just nuts. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, a lot of work. I don't, obviously I don't do the mastering. I don't do the artwork. I can't even draw a stick figure to save my life. I'll tell you <laughs> if I try to draw a stick figure, it looks like I've been drinking about, uh, eight shots of Daniel. <laughs> so, uh, do you, when you commission like a, a piece of like cover, um, artwork, are you just kind of like give, just given a vibe, like I want it to be these colors or whatever. And just, it is what it is. And then you just make your, your own music according to however you want to do it. Yeah. I'll just finish now. I'm like Mojave. I just wrote that in a couple months and then Alex at neon dream designs, you know, I just sent him the songs and told him, you know, here's what I was thinking. And he just, I give him complete creative control of the graphic designers. You know, something that's really crazy. Um, I forgot if it was maybe your post, Eric, or someone else's. They posted the cover art for Canyons. Mm-hmm. And somebody came in and said, that's my favorite synthwave album art that features a car on it. Yeah, that's my post. And it oh. was weird because I was thinking to myself, like, man, I would have said it was Mojave. <laughs> <laughs> well there's you have and so much that, to choose from there's so many cars in the synthwave albums scene you know? the, yes <laughs> what what's funny about that post it was actually destroyer who did it mm. and his album panic has a car in the album mm. carver artwork so that's what was funny to me i laughed my ass off when he did that <laughs> so i guess good that it's not say like a kuntash <laughs> indeed <laughs> so that, to play it out. Yeah, that's one yeah, thing. Indeed. That's one thing I do tell my graphic designers. Like, I give them creative control, but I'm like, I don't think I really want a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Porsche because it's so overdone in this scene. So, like, Alex will do a, a Fiero. <laughs> Which I feel like that's that could be an extremely synth way of car. Yeah, definitely. And it's completely underutilized. <laughs> I remember rolling around in a Fiero when I was in high school. I had a friend, Bill Bauer, this was the early nineties and, uh, we got it up to, he wanted to be like back to the future. So he got the thing up to 88 miles per hour in the school parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, while well, we were blasting, what were we listening to? He, Oh, ugly kid, Joe, something I hate about you or everything I hate about you by ugly kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a crazy time. Don't don't date yourself at all. And later did you take it down Woodward? <laughs> <laughs> we did actually. And we went into Pontiac and all kinds of stuff. It was great. Yeah. Dream Cruise in it. Yeah. <laughs> Dream Cruise. That's funny. So as far as like music goes, um, you say that you're like in the metal, like what's some of your, your top metal bands that you get into? Um, Anything from like old thrash metal type stuff. You know, um, God, I used to see all these bands back in the day in Detroit in the early 90s. 
like some death metal like Cannibal Corpse, Deicide. I saw, I've seen them live in early '90s. Uh, Bolt Thrower, you know, Sepultura, all that kind of stuff, and then you know, like Mayhem and all kinds of. I get you know even more extreme metal than that, you know, just whatever. More extreme than Mayhem and Deicide. That's cool. That's fine. Yeah, I don't know. It's I still listen to that stuff actually. <laughs> It's good for. I feel like you kind of don't get out of it per se. I mean, I, I still listen to Acid Bath, <laughs> so nice. it's just you know a, a thing. Um, and so that's a really an interesting um, kind of juxtaposition. Well, you know, from, from what Glenn you Benton do. lives down the street from me. I'm actually in Tampa right now, uh, living down here, doing some family stuff. So he lives on the other street. Glenn uh, Glenn Benton, Dia said. Do you just like like? shoot him a what's up you see him like hey guy no I, i've really never seen him i've just heard people talk about it like they've seen him at best buy shopping and then i googled him i was like oh his street his house is right over there but That's awesome. so the rumors are true the rumors are true <laughs> yeah. it's like where we where we live uh we have a, a semi-famous rapper brother ali oh i love brother ali. stop into a play that he would stop into our work and yeah. shop with his with his uh entourage and that was a pretty interesting. I'm like, oh, there's, there's a, there's the guy. There he is. Nice. And that was kind of the end of it for me because I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah, you'd, be, you'd say hi. He'd be like, oh, hey, <laughs> hi. How are you doing? That's cool. It's, That's it's cool. Good. I like brother. We have Master P living here now too. That's yeah, true. Damn. Believe that or not. I don't understand whatever possessed Master P to live in his, Minnesota. His kids, uh, for like college scholarship sports stuff Interesting. got something going on here so they moved up here are you guys familiar with the band that dog no. they're from minneapolis i thought they're like an alternative band from the 90s like indie alternative are you familiar with the band proto martyr oh proto martyr yeah mm-hmm. definitely have you heard the new album them not yet um i'm really like really 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 good friends with the bass player oh, okay nice then friends with also Greg and Alex, mm-hmm. um, Scott, the bass player, he said he was going to send me an album. I have not received it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love it. You just put him on blast. So that's the power. Was that NeoGeo.com that you met those guys? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I know I know Scott from a video game website, and he found out he lived next to another friend of mine in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I used to spend a lot of time in Detroit. As I say, you knew Dream Cruise, Dream Cruise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I, I, I've done many of the things and spent many of the time. Been out to Ann Arbor as well. Ooh. Pinball Pete's went there a lot. Nice. And got shit face drunk oh man i miss detroit i i fucking love it out there it's so i almost moved out there yeah it's a great city i haven't been back in a couple years i've just been down here kind of working taking care of some family stuff you know and i'm looking to move back hopefully next year if this you know covid thing kind of straightens out a little bit all right mike tell me the love the allure what makes detroit special to you um, just, I grew up there. I mean, it's been a lot, a lot of years there. And, you know, I'm from the indie rock scene of Detroit in the like nineties and Detroit was a different place in 1990, 91, 92, 93, 94. It wasn't like it is today. It was dangerous. It was exciting. I mean, it was mm-hmm. when you went down there, you know, you, you had to watch your ass <laughs> everywhere. 
it was it was great. I don't know. It's just a thrilling city. I love the uh, Detroit Electronic Music Fest. You know, it's just uh, it's it's just thriving would, for music. Look at the music history. You know, with um, yeah, I was gonna ask if the techno scene had any influence on you. Not. I mean, I went to some raves in the old Packard plant and in the abandoned factories in Detroit in their mid nineties, but maybe it did. <laughs> maybe it did underneath or something. I don't know. But it's it's just. It's such a diverse place for musically, you know, you've got everything, electronic, hip hop, indie rock, all kinds of stuff. A lot of talent comes out of Detroit and I love it. Plus I, yeah, it seems I love it, the it's an interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, not much of that in Florida. Yeah. No, it sucks down here. It's too hot. It's like right now it's probably 90. <laughs> and that would be cool, right? Because, you know, with ninety percent humidity, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean it's right. nine, it's ten o'clock, and it's well, maybe not ninety, but like eighty-seven right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gross. brutal, you know. And, and I'm out. I spend a lot of time on a preserve, where I go out and hike with like alligators and snakes and bears and all kinds of stuff. And it's like ninety-six. I'm out in the swamps. Yeah, and just like bath salts and natives. I, and... Yeah, I was just gonna say any Florida man <laughs> running. Oh, they're yeah. they're everywhere where I live. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane out here, That's, man. It's, it just like the the hot spot of like COVID stuff there. I, I one of my coworkers is going down to the south west part of Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what, Why? what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, Oh, it's not as bad there. It's more on the east, Miami, and that kind of thing. I'm like, but it's still Florida. Yeah, he's right. It's not that bad here on the west, but it's still Florida, and it's still like half a million cases or something crazy. <laughs> I don't go out. I just, I go, like, I live out in the middle of nowhere, to be honest, like, really in the middle of nowhere. So I just stay at home and work from home, make music from home, and then, like, go to a preserve where I walk, like, five miles each day out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm not around anybody. So it's kind of cool like that, you know, helps me focus on music. Like all the music I've written pretty much it's been down here because I've just had the, the time to do it, finished my degrees down here and then, you know, just was doing music. And so it's kind of like no distractions really. So it's been kind of nice. So have you been really productive then as far as like, cause we're already talking about another album mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. And I just got a new guitar. I just got a new uh, Fender Strat professional uh, Jeff Beck artist series Strat. So I'm excited to actually have live guitar on this next album. All the other guitar has been synth guitar. So this is be real guitar on the next one. Is that also a reason why the album is coming so soon? You got really excited because you got a new piece of gear. Yeah. Plus I got a synth pedal coming next week, a boss uh, SY one. So be able to turn the guitar into a synth as well so <laughs> nice that's pretty awesome actually I, I saw a video of someone doing that oh it was it was power nerd he was doing oh, okay. he's playing guitar and was running it through a synth pedal yeah and i was like oh there it is yeah you do some really cool stuff with it so and what's great is like i don't know i i've been running out of ideas like on keyboard i'm kind of bored of it like guitar is my instrument i've been playing for a long time i'm not a shredder i'm just like a rhythm guitarist i couldn't play a solo to save my life on a guitar right like I'm, I'm no eddie van halen tapping on the thing the fretboard <laughs> like i could never do that i'm just like you know mellow with it right just some chords or something mm-hmm. like write a song right yeah and uh so i've i've just I'm, i want to use the guitar now to kind of like try to come up with some different ideas than being stuck with a, a midi controller because i use a midi controller in software since and logic pro 10 and stuff right so 
Gotcha. Hopefully it'll, VST book. Yeah, hopefully it'll be gotcha. a useful writing tool. That's why I've, I've got it. Yeah, I would imagine that if it, if it's you know kind of your first thing that you know so well, uh, there's going to be a lot of freedom there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like Droid Bishop does the same thing. I think he uses guitar. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, his music. So like that's exciting that you have the freedom to kind of be like, well, I'm bored of this shit now. I'm going to move on to this next iteration of a thing. And you, you don't, you know, it's just a nice evolution mm-hmm. of, of your music as opposed to having to scrap it and turn it something into complete, something completely different, rename the project. Right. A lot of mistakes that a lot of people do is that they'll, and I've noticed this and here's, here's some advice for anyone listening, right? This is real advice. So take this. If you're going to start writing different sounding music, if you're getting tired of your project, name it something different. Don't put, don't be, write synthwave, <laughs> and then two albums later try to do like some like funk jazz thing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, name it something different. <laughs> Take your one thing that you have, your artist name, and like build off that and keep that the one project, right? Because what happens is if you, it's cool to explore, right? And that's fine. But if you all of a sudden are just, People go listen to it like it doesn't even sound like the same artist, but it's the same artist name. I don't know if you guys have ever had artists, you know, heard artists that have done that, and you're like, "What is this? <laughs> this isn't the artist I like love." So, you know, it's a it's amazing how people get really really pissed off when there's a there's a change. Like the, the first thing that comes to my mind is Ghost. That, that was the mm. first thing that yes. came to my mind yep. too. Yeah, you know, Ghost. Like uh, on his, he was doing like a "Ask Me a Question on Board" kind of thing. And uh, what kept coming up was, when are you going to make an album that's synthwave again? Or when oh. are you going to make an album that sounds like Behemoth? Or when are you get, you know, and he's like, he's like, well, I mean, there's going to be some stuff, but like, like chill out. And people just really kept going on. And I think Perturbator too, he was talking, he had to do like some sort of clarifying post to calm people down. Cause like apparently his next record is going to be all vocals. Uh-huh on every single track he's like this is a vocal album so fucking get ready for it because this is just is the way it is so you know be prepared yeah if you don't like it go definitely i like the basically. one single he released but it does it doesn't sound like his normal his older stuff no and i can't imagine i mean making that say make it the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. i was just gonna say yeah you can't continually make exactly the same thing and you're always like split between like you either get accused of never changing anything mm-hmm. and not being original and like plagiarizing yourself yeah. or you're damned if you do and you're damned <laughs> if you don't. You guys are right. And that's where you, I, I think you just got to do what you got to do. And Or you could be like Justice, release an amazing album and then just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just say, okay, that's it. I'll try to do another album, but it won't be any good. That's why you gotta just, if you're the artist, just do what you do and do it because you love it and just create what you want to create. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> just make the music. Do worry. what you want to do. Yeah. Don't do what you don't want to do. Right. Very wise words. <laughs> Eternal. Uh, yeah, the Justice thing um, is interesting how the first album, the second album shift. And it's like, I, 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 but they maybe have done more than two albums. I don't know, but I certainly wasn't interested in the re- second one. They released Women Worldwide, which was a live album, but I don't think they've released another album. I think there's only two like main albums. And of course, probably get on blast when we release this episode because they probably put out maybe two albums since then. But 
uh, yeah, I, I don't think that they've released anything else. It's like Kavinsky. He's been on dry spell since, what, 2013? Yeah, 20 years. Something like that. <laughs> like, when did OutRun come out? Like, that was forever ago. Yes. And he's teasing people with his being in the studio shit now. Oh, yeah, I saw that. But I got to say, though, the justice thing, like, it would be hard to follow up Cross. No matter what. Because that album's amazing. <laughs> so, I don't know. So let me ask you this, Mike. Uh, when you released your first record, um, like, proper, was that like a culmination of, of several years worth of stuff? Because that seems to be, I think, the thing with a lot of first albums is that there's been a lot of time for the band or the artist to write a lot of music, kind of refine it, and basically write 90 songs and then throw away everything to condense it down to 13 songs. And then when it comes to like a new album a year or two later, it's, it always seems to be a letdown because you're starting from scratch as opposed to like the first album. Right. So like the first real release, I would say would be my Mojave release. That's like the first one that's had, you know, vinyl and cassette releases. Like that's the first one that's like truly, cohesive where like artwork music and everything like that before that you know uh it's just a like discography and all those those were just a bunch of songs right that just kind of mm-hmm. came together and i was like oh, i'll just put it together you know so it was it took a few years for me to be like okay here's you know start thinking more along the lines of cohesion right with song the sound of the song the song title elm title and the album artwork you know the whole package deal right mm-hmm. it comes with like the vinyl record, the color of the vinyl and, you know, the sleeve and then the song titles, it's got to be, it's hard to do. It's hard to put together that kind of package all by yourself. It takes a while to learn how to do. And it took me a long time to learn how to do it. Plus when I first started Android automatic, I didn't know how to like write or record computer music. I didn't know how to record at all. I'd spent time in studios, recording studios in Chicago and stuff with my old bands but I was just a guitar songwriter. I never sat behind the mixing consoles or anything like that. So with Android automatic, I basically had to learn how to record and to write at the same time. So it took several years for me to get to Mojave before it started becoming, becoming like really cohesive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It took years. Absolutely. And, and that's an interesting kind of vision or viewpoint into like being the independent artist and, and the work and effort. And I just appreciate, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about, the scene is just the the I don't know, craftsmanship or whatever the fuck. I, I don't want to sound like a hoity-toity moron, but like, you know, people They're putting it togetherness, <laughs> you know, words good together, you know, but I just appreciate people's effort. And especially when they're, if you're self-releasing something like it's a huge amount of effort to make that come into life. And, you know, like if you're signed to a major record label, you've got a team of people. Yeah, exactly every aspect of thing you just you know depending on like what kind of a performer you are you either sit down and just record the track and show up for the video and photo Mm -hmm. shoots and you're on with your day whereas people in the independent scene every single aspect of it you've thought about you put together it's really your package your vision that you've you've spent a lot of time on and um so like with that with that experience of of years making Mojave Mm -hmm. um is it easier now to start to assemble something it is I think it's just the hardest ideas coming up with like you know 
new creative stuff that you haven't done before. It's, it's really hard. It's hard to keep reinventing yourself after 11 and a half years. It's just a, a tough thing to do. That's why I don't really worry about it. I just make the music that I make, you know, and record it and I put it out. If people dig it, cool. If they don't, you know, cool, whatever. I don't really think about it that much. You know, I don't overthink it because it's just, I've got too much else going on in my mind. So it's kind of, I want music to be fun, you know, and inspiring. I don't want to really yeah. think of it as a job. I already have a job, <laughs> right? So <laughs> right. I kind of want to have fun. Right. But the thing is, is I do, I, I release my stuff digitally and I, I'm my own record label digitally, but I can't do the like vinyl and the cassette production and all that. I don't know how to do that. It's, that's, that's why I work with labels with that stuff. I won't touch, you know, shipping out vinyl and stuff. It's, it's too much. So I just, you know, it's self-release digitally. And then if somebody wants to put out like Brian at Electric Dream, you know, I'll be like, cool. And he'll put it all together. That's sweet. So, like, let's talk about the physical media aspect of it because it's such an important part of, of the scene and synthwave. Um, is that something that you yourself, like, are a collector of vinyl or cassettes and that kind of thing? Like, or is it just a, a necessity, do you think, of the scene to release the physical media? I, I just, uh, I believe that it gives the artist credibility. I think that, that physical merch, tangible items will, in a, in a scene, in an age where it's all digital, makes it more realistic. It makes the project more credible. You know what I mean? Where people can actually hold stuff and smell the vinyl and look at it and wait for the mailman forever to get to their house and deliver the package. I think it gives credibility to the artist to the point where they stand out among a million other synthwave artists who don't do physical merch. It helps you stand out. Mm -hmm. People take you a bit more seriously, you know? That's true. Anyone could be a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I'm, it's it's just, I think that tangible merchandise cassettes and vinyl and t-shirts and all that, I think it's, I think it's a must now if you want people to actually look in your direction and pay attention to you. And so therefore you got really lucky with the, with the canyons release then. Cause what a great combination of things ultimately. Yeah, definitely. And same thing with um vinyl and before sunrise with uh, the cassette label I was working with in LA for the cassette. And then Brian again with electric dream. He's Brian's my final guy. I always stick with him. Like I always released vinyl through him. He's been really good with me. And then, I am, yeah, I'm kicking myself for not getting Mojave back when I came out. Was that one still, one of the ones that was put up on crates. Yeah, that was a that was a back version. One hundred thirty seven copies got back. Yeah, back. Missed out. I I did. Yes, yeah, so now yeah. it's it's rare and it's expensive on Discogs. <laughs> and that's got to feel good. You got a thing, and it's like, yeah, if you got a copy of that, it's worth some money. Yeah, it is. But I feel bad for the people who missed out because then you've got like the Discogs, the like price gougers are like, all right, I'm gonna rip these people yeah. off and charge you know ninety bucks with shipping and handling. Has there been any talks about repressing that record? Uh, yeah, that'll never happen because Brian doesn't want to do it. I, I, I shouldn't put words in his mouth, but I think he feels that it kind of more repress. They, they take away, like, I don't know, whatever, like the value of the original or there's something about the originals that like, I don't know, waters it down by the more times you keep like pressing it. You know what I mean? The value of it, he wants to keep it kind of. Well, you could do like rare. a, I don't know. like a, like a, a different, like a remastered with a new updated packaging so it doesn't really affect 
the original release. Right, that's something that maybe still he puts it out do. into the. Because I know, like Destroyer did that, or yeah, he's mm-hmm. got two versions of his first record, um, with different updated artwork and such on it to make it different than the original release that he did. Yeah. Well, there's there's still a group of people out there who, like first press nothing else mm-hmm. like in the purest like, i'm one of the people who have the first press so no there shouldn't be a second press it's just a form of elitism that really drives me crazy should be there for people to enjoy i agree to collect but things. people are like you know first press and it devalues if you do a second and a third person you know devalues the first person it's like i'm not getting it. vinyl because of the value yeah I, i'm listening to it I, yeah. I appreciate the format of vinyl so there's like I'm happy to see that Blood Music is doing represses of stuff yeah. again because like I've missed out on some releases and again you're talking about the Discog uh, price gougers Jesus mm-hmm. the prices on some of these vinyl records is just outrageous oh it's it's just crazy <laughs> but the, you know as long as people are buying it they'll keep doing it if you want to stop it don't buy it I don't yeah, I'm I'm putting my contribution into this. By not buying them, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're a reasonable price. Then I will buy them. It's like I missed out on the Akuma Two release, and my God, it's it's too expensive for me. And it's I, I think I've seen it for as low as like sixty five bucks, but that's like plus shipping. I'm like, eh, oh wow, uh, yeah, no, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah, it's expensive. I, it's an expensive it's the other like, thing... taste. <laughs> Yeah, it was sent the way of you either get it as soon as it drops or you don't get it. Yeah. yeah I, you guys are on those Synthwave Vinyl Collectors on Facebook? I am. That's yes. so my, yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. That's kind of like the like group where you know it's all going to go down and when it's coming out and stuff. It is very good for getting your notifications like, hey, this is being released at this time. Yep. Be there, be square. <laughs> right. <laughs> get effed. Right. You better set your alarm um, clock for this time. <laughs> oh my god, I've got two alarms set for tomorrow for stuff coming. Out. <laughs> What's coming out tomorrow? It's video game stuff. So, oh. yeah, that's your thing. But that's it's it's the same deal. Yeah, it's the same setup because there's only a few that are going to be getting made, and if you don't get it as soon as it drops, you aren't going to get it. Right. Video game vinyl releases and synthwave vinyl releases. It's like the Venn diagram overlaps so much that it's almost just a complete circle. <laughs> <laughs> They're just really stacked on top of each other. And also the interest between people who get like synthwave and people who get video game vinyl records. Again, that Venn diagram is overlaps a lot. Yeah. Now, are these bootleg releases, obviously, is, or no? Uh, maybe. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> their releases, their releases. I think. Well, I mean, anyone that knows, I get. Maybe I'm spoiling it, but like most video game companies are not releasing officially their soundtracks, their films, or their scores for the video games. Are not so. It's someone doing. A whole lot of work to get the music off of it's a passion project absolutely which should be done if they were smart those companies would release that stuff into vinyl and make a lot of money because someone was telling me god um there's a video game company that makes most of their money 
from vinyl releases of the soundtracks to their video games, uh-huh. and they don't really make that much money off of the video. They're a, they're a smaller independent company, which I thought was a really interesting. Well, the thing is, like now you can charge more for just a vinyl release of a video game soundtrack than what the actual video game goes for. It's crazy. <laughs> that is, that crazy. is crazy. I didn't even. I I. It's like I get, that. Just thinking, like Bloodborne. I paid twenty bucks for Bloodborne. I paid like almost fifty for the Bloodborne soundtrack. Wow! Wow, that's a lot. That, they're just printing money when they're doing vinyl. But it was releases. like a double LP shipped from England. So I mean, there's that too. Shipping prices. Yeah, it's a killer. Especially with yeah, but you're the sucker that bought COVID it. right now. Shipping's going through the roof. Yeah, or if you can even get that. Like, I buy a lot of crap from Japan usually. I haven't been able to buy anything from Japan since March. Yeah, I ordered something in March, and it just showed up like two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> from Japan. From Japan, specifically. Let me clarify that. Yeah, I got a, I bought a record from Germany I don't know how long ago. I don't know if I'll ever get it. I hope you get it. We'll, we'll see what happens. I hope I get it. I've been after it for a while. You're going to get it. What'd you get? You'll get it. Sebastian. Really? For his first record? I get it. Which one, which one is it even? Is it a Discogs buy or is it a... It was a Discogs buy. It's the one where the album cover is him making out with himself. Oh, yeah. Sweet, that one. I think it's the second album. Maybe it's good. That's a really great record, actually. Good for you. It back, seems... back on that Ed Banger tip. <laughs> yeah so uh synthwave you know as, as a genre is has a lot of influences that are not solely um music based are you someone that has poured in some of you know, movie stuff video game stuff is there is it are there other aspects of your influences that you've poured into your musical project I don't think so. I don't think that much. I mean, obviously, being a child of the 80s, you know, that obviously rubbed off on me, you know, like movies like Back to the Future and stuff and, you know, anything John Carpenter from a long time ago uh, definitely is. I really like John Carpenter. He's probably my favorite, you know, uh, director. I love his movies. You know, anything from Christine, you know, to The Thing to... um. I don't know. There's to all of there's them. Some, to all of them. <laughs> there's uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I saw that in the theater when it came out. Mm. Lucky that guy. had a big influence on me. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder. It has to, you know. I I just feel like all of those things influence you people creatively, obviously, and like John Carpenter, I think is a, a almost a universal through line to anyone we've ever talked to is like, yeah, I love John Carpenter. Well, like, mm-hmm. fuck it, obviously. Like, you know, I would question somebody if they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> be like, wait a minute. What's, they would what's be like, they would be under 20 making synth wave. And so it's not really coming from the living, living the life during the time. Right. If you will, it's secondhand inspiration. Well, you've got, so you've got speak. people in the scene, you know, like Phaserland, Ross, you guys know Ross, right? AKA Phaserland. No. Nope. Well, he wow. he is um 
he's I know Ross. He lives in Royal, I think he's in Royal Oak right now. But I don't know if you guys listen to Phaserland. He's he's extremely eighties um, influence, John Carpenter influence, and and we're about the same age, right around forty. So I don't know. You guys, do you guys listen to uh, Phaserland? I, I, no, this is the first I've heard of. All right, you guys got to go to um, Spotify and listen to Phaserland. I can't believe you guys haven't okay. heard Phaserland. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like there's a never-ending journey of discovering acts, and like some of them have been around forever, and I'm like, how have I not heard of this? And then some of some are new; they're popping up all the time. So it's yeah, hard. He's to, huge. You know, it's so hard to keep he's track. <laughs> I think he has like 60,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or something. But he's great. Kyle's I've known him. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking on Bandcamp right now. I'm not a Spotify boy. Oh, so okay. Like, what's on Bandcamp? Yeah. Yeah. That's my, I mean, and talk about, I, I was having this thought the other day because uh, Bandcamp announced that they're reducing or getting rid of their fees again for artists. Um, and I think like, what an amazing format or, or thing for independent artists to reach an audience and have a scene. Like I would, where would, where would Synthwave be without Bandcamp? I wonder. Yeah, it is very uh, handy for Synthwave artists. That's for sure. You know, being able to sell directly to the fans and still retain 85% of the profit. It's, 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 it's nice. See, like I price myself pretty cheap on Bandcamp. I don't charge a lot just because I don't think artists should charge a ton for digital files. You know what I mean? There are artists like yeah. New Retroway, for example. They charge 10 bucks for 10 songs. I might charge five, like 50 cents a song. Just because I think it's fair, you know, for the artist to make a little bit of money and to also save the fans some money so they can go support some other artists. You know what I mean? A lot of artists or labels or whatever, they'll just charge a ton of money. And I get it for physical merch, but I don't understand the the like price gouging for digital releases they charge 10 bucks for 10 songs like it's 1990 again and you're getting a cd <laughs> when people right when people just download it for free if they really want to and i mean i just think it's greedy i'm gonna buy this on itunes yeah dollar fifty a song. that's itunes pricing right there <laughs> do you remember when cds when they were out like in the height of them would cost 20 to like 25 dollars for a cd mm-hmm. yeah like isn't that some outrageous shit CDs disgust me for many reasons. <laughs> I mean, they're just being overpriced. Yeah. They're just, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Like the amount of money record companies must have made during the advent of, of CDs because like cassettes were cheap to make. I think they're still one of the cheapest. Well, maybe CDs are the cheapest to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinyl is expensive as shit to make. Yeah. <laughs> so like, when you switch from vinyl to cassettes to CDs, man, you're you're making money hand over fist. Definitely. I think that's probably also why record companies ain't doing so well these days. Well, their business right. their business model couldn't keep up with the 21st century digital model. You know, as soon as the P2P started with Napster and stuff, they just their their business model relied so much on you know physical merchandise, and they didn't. Um, plan to go for the digital sector no because they act yeah they actively fought against it yeah instead of accepting it and then adjusting their business models to it they would have survived a lot more of them would have survived but they didn't do that Mm -hmm. so they failed (laughs) 
Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, and, like, you wonder, you know, like, record companies now, like, how do they even survive now? And you think about the the administrative, like, costs of running a, a major record label and the, and the millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. like, for, a t- like, a Taylor Swift kind of situation, you know, the teams that are involved in that, like, how do you make any money at right. all? Right. It becomes the Especially form of recoupable have... expenses. That's how they nail the artist. So the artist ends up owing at the end of their contract. Never, Very few artists end up ever making any money on a major label. They just end up owing like hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you, if you ever, are you guys Ooh. familiar with Steve Albini? He's a recordist. Yes. Read one of his articles. Uh, he wrote like an essay and it's online. Steve Albini he talks about the record industry and he breaks it all down. You know, he knows about it. And he remember, there's an interview I was listening to him recently. And he was talks about when he was recording Nirvana, and uh, they were at a studio, Electrical uh, Audio in Chicago, and yep. he he was like the first thing that the band had to do every day when they got to the studio was sign about an hour worth of paper documents about all kinds of, like this fan broke their arm and they're suing you and all this stuff. So all this stuff would actually end up coming out of like Nirvana's end, not the record label's end. And they would, you know, and that's typically how it works and how they make money is they end up screwing the artist by saying, you know, like you got to pay for everything in the end. And it comes back as recoupable expenses, like administrative expenses. What a nightmare. Nothing. Yeah. The, the, I had my friends were on Warner Brothers, uh, Junior Junior, the guys I was used to be a band with. And they they did. They had a horrible, horrible experience with them. They left them a couple years ago. <laughs> So they had to get lawyer to get out of the contract and everything like that. So, so big record companies bad, mm-hmm. Bandcamp good. Yeah, definitely. Or like you know, independent <laughs> labels, um, labels like Merge Records, Touch and Go, Discord Records. They don't they don't even use contracts. Uh, Ian McKay has been with Discord, you know, operating Discord since 1980. He just still doesn't have a lawyer. Wow. And he, you know, I mean, he's pretty well-known dude and Fugazi and all those bands and stuff. And he, he just does it with like a handshake. Same thing with merge records and touch and go records in Chicago. They don't use contracts. So I have a very important question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry. Um, with <laughs> <laughs> very important, <laughs> very important. Like first ministry record, a yes. New wave ministry. No, okay. I was going to say, that's yeah, I'm that's told. like, New wave. Yeah. With sympathy action. Are you for it or are you against it? I'm not real familiar with it. I've only heard it a little bit. The ministry I'm familiar with is like the Jesus built my hot rod. Is that him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's I had that cassette like 1992 or 93. So yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been would, a huge fan of ministry, but I would highly recommend then the first record with sympathy it's it's about as a 180 as you can get from what you would know is that their is that their records. Arista record stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so he speaks or he sings in a british lilt oh, okay apparently and he sings mm-hmm. with no like vocal distortion or anything like that it's pretty amazing. i'll have to so, check like, that out definitely yeah there's kind of a running gag where like people are, like keep ministry uh, new wave. <laughs> that, that time's long gone. Yeah. I mean, that's done, but it's still funny to me. Kyle, what else you got for him? 
<laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> I don't know, more Detroit stuff? Yeah. Uh, craziest thing that's happened to me. Have you ever been to Old Miami? Yes, I have. That's, uh, I think, in Hamtramck. Yeah. Yes. The, one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. It went anywhere was at Old Miami. I was there to see a show. So my buddy who lives out there, who who once upon a time lived out there, mm-hmm. his roommate was playing a show at Old Miami. And we go there, and my buddy's like, okay, there's this bar. It's like kind of a hipster place, kind of a veteran bar. So it's going to be a weird mix of people. Yeah, I know that bar. We get there. It is exactly that crowd. Mm. It is like 50-50 <laughs> old veterans yep. and like hipsters. Yep. So everyone's off doing their thing. My buddy's going to talk to someone. The Our roommate buddy's up on stage playing their show. Like the two girls we were with went off to do something else. I'm just standing by the bar like ordering <laughs> drinks like crazy because I'm on vacation and I'm having a good time. Uh-huh. Some altercation happens at the bar between veteran sitting there and a hipster and all it just like exponentially gets elevated till it starts into a fist fight and then like wild west style like the whole bar exploded into like veteran against hipster fist fight (laughs) stools are getting thrown stuff's getting smashed I'm just sitting there with my G&T just like taking this all in. And I'm just like, fuck, this is a great vacation. (laughs) The whole place was wild. (laughs) And like, as soon as it started, like it stopped within a minute and the place just looked like it was completely trashed. Like it was the end of the night. There's cups everywhere. There's people laying on the ground, like moaning and stuff. It was, it was fucking great. Wow. One of the many reasons why I love Detroit. So there was no question, but just a statement be like, just thinking of my Detroit times at fucking old Miami. There you go. (laughs) Sounds about right. Like I was saying. Wow. I missed out. It's good. Oh man, good times. I want to go back. I mean, will it even be the same? Is is D Town even remotely the same? Oh, probably not. No, I'm sure it's changed. When were a lot. you there last, Kyle? I think like twenty six, fifteen, twenty sixteen. Okay, yeah, so it's before. Maybe no, maybe twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. I'm not sure. It's been a while. Uh huh. Last time I went there, I went to see a girl who I knew out there, and that ended up being a complete disaster. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a mistake. Oh, well. <laughs> I learned. I got to see my other people out there. That's so. cool. Right on. That was kind of okay. All right. Well, um, you know, I think we're winding down. Um, so, Mike, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me um, on, guys. I appreciate it. You know, I really want to say, like, number one, we both really, really like your music. So, Thank you. Uh, you know, I've got, I, I do have the Canyons release. Have you picked that up yet, Kyle? Yes. Good. How man. does it sound? Good Pretty man. good? Oh, it sounds great. Yes. Okay. It sounds wonderful. I don't have a record player, so. Well, we haven't got that yet, but otherwise. Oh, I've got it. Oh, I don't. Oh, yeah, I got it. 
Uh, it's probably because I haven't gotten mail at my place. Monday through Thursday, I didn't get mail at my apartment. Oh, no. Yeah, let's talk about how weird the mail patterns have been. Like, I'll go a week without mail, and then I'll just get, like, a, a pile of it. It's just, it's so weird. I don't know. Right now, it's real bad, though. Like, at work, we didn't get mail for three days, and, like, we rely on that for billing. So Definitely. everyone was freaking out. So shit's going on with USPS right now that's not yeah, good, that's and I don't good like at it at all. Mm, yeah, it's a whole lot of bullshit. Yep. No, but I I do I do have the release. It sounds fantastic. Cool. So it's just I, thanks. thanks you know, again, I know that like uh, you know it comes from Electric Dream. It's gonna be good. So yeah, he really Brian really, really takes was... pride in his work. I really really appreciate his hard work, and um, he's got Dream Electric Three coming out. I'm not on this one coming up just because I you know didn't have time to write some music for it, but I'm sure that'll be sweet too. They always are. The <laughs> compilations are always a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, for those that are listening, um, check out... All the things in all, all the places. All the things, all the places. Um, Android Automatic, um, Spotify. Uh, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Buy something. You Buy. aren't, <laughs> aren't going to hear the episode right now today. But yeah, yeah, with the the waiving the artist fees, that's a good yeah. thing. Wait till Bandcamp does that and buy a lot of shit. Yeah, that's really the big thing. Cool, and you. you're gonna get a great deal if you buy. Well, like I said, I keep stuff, my prices so... pretty cheap on there just because, like, I don't know why not. <laughs> why charge full price for an MP3? <laughs> it's year 2021 or 2020. You know what I mean? Gee. Like, yeah. Oh, going back, that's yes, that is another thing about Bandcamp that I really like is you can get lossless files. So you can choose your own quality download when you do buy something from yeah. that. And that's fucking great. And that is money. The, the artists get a lot of the money. Bandcamp's only like 15% or something like that. So it's pretty cool. Exactly. Well, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for everyone that's listening. And until next time, this is Eric. And this is Kyle. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.